verse 18 of chapter 9 says the sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We know they were all buried. Their wife's names are not listed. So there were eight people left on planet Earth after the flood destroyed all living creatures. Eight people. And what happened is that Every single person who lives on planet Earth today can trace their lineage back to those eight people, and before that, back to Adam and Eve, as we see them introduced into the account of Genesis. The Earth's nations share one blood. Seventy nations. In case you were counting. <laughs> As I went through Genesis 10, 70 nations. You may wonder how it is that all of the earth's nations share one blood. When people look, so much differently than each other. You may wonder how that is. Good news is, science helps us. There are believers of the Bible who would look at science. Uh, there are people who are not believers of the Bible who look at science. This is actually one of the areas where they will find a lot of agreement. Recent, and I mean recent as compared to Genesis 10 recent, recent uh, DNA discoveries in the realm of science show us exactly what we read. That race, as we know it, is a social Construct. It is not a biological or genealogical construct. We are of one blood as human beings. Consider our culture, consider the history of our planet, and that statement should give us pause. That statement should take our breath away.
students that entered there, they, they married from within an uptight gene. Right? So that's one of the explanations that I saw. But I put this map up here, not so you can get uh, every name from Genesis 10. I want you to get an idea of where the people went. Right? We circled on the map, Japheth up on the north, and you'll see Ham uh, in Africa. Now, and some of Ham's descendants, you'll see the Sinite people with an arrow going to the right. That's going to be uh, the rest of Asia, a lot of Southeast Asia. Trace a lot of their descendants back to the Sinite people. And then you see Shem, uh, which is a lot of the Middle East, the Arabian Peninsula, uh, there. So yeah, I just put that up there for an in general. In general, this is the way that we can understand the dispersion of the nations. Now, we're gonna, as we go along today, we're going to see that Genesis 10 is not designed to be, again, its original purpose is not designed to be a complete and full. And every single person and every single people who ever lived is not supposed to be that. This is a theological document primarily that shows us God's purposes. But it gives us a framework of the world. And we know from the names that are there, you can trace these names. Now, Genesis 10 is historical and it is unique and is recognized outside of religious circles. And you can trace the names back to these people groups that spread after the ark. I find it to be amazing. It's amazing. And it's true. Okay, now here's the other thing about one blood, is we've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so please, if there is anything in your heart or mind today that because I am a certain race or a certain uh, character of person, uh, judge, as a society judges me because of the color of my skin, may we destroy that all in the name of Jesus Christ this instant. It doesn't exist. It doesn't have any place in the house of God. It's not in the Bible. Ham was not cursed to go to Africa, and black people were not subjugated and cursed over time. There are Christians who are teaching that, and they're wrong. It's not found here. It can't stand. We're one blood, and we're all sinners, and it levels the playing field before God and among humans. And that should be our worldview if we believe the Bible. Any other worldview that you have? or you've been taught, or you've gained from the media, that doesn't line up with this, repent and chuck it. It doesn't work. It's not of God. We have one blood. One blood. And we're all in sin. And we all need help. Okay, keep moving. The godly line will only go through one son of Noah. Now, you may wonder why I had a different colored circle over Canaan. I want to go back to Genesis chapter 9. Last week we looked at a, a, a really awful event where their father Noah, after the flood, uh, basically what happened is he got drunk uh, off of the fruit of his vine, and he was laying naked in his tent. The two main characters who sinned against him uh, that we can read in this story are, are Ham, and uh, Canaan is also implicated in this because uh, Noah, when he comes to, he curses Ham, or excuse me, he curses uh, Canaan. And so we can, by, by logic, we can assume that Canaan had some role in whatever sin happened. We're not going to uh, speculate on that. It's not written for us in the text. We don't need to go back through that. But if this is a theological document, we can see that this curse that Noah put on Canaan is something that God brought to bear. It is a document about God and his plans. And so from the beginning of the nations, Canaan would be a land.
it's extended from Sidak in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza, and in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim as far as Lasha. We may not recognize that in verse 19, but that ends up being the bulk of what God promised to the people of Israel as their promised land. The land that is still in dispute today, by the way. Alright, so that's right here, clear back in Genesis 10, and Canaan, the grandson of Noah, who we presume with his father Ham sinned against Noah, bears that curse, and his people bear that curse largely. The descendants of Canaan, as we know them, died out. You might find some uh, recent research where they can detect some of the Canaanites' uh, DNA genealogy down to uh, the current Lebanese people, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that their curse, we're going to get to that. In a minute, but we do see in the rest of the Old Testament the land of Canaan being promised to the Israelites, and so even in God's purposes from the beginning, we see that come about. And so the godly line isn't going through Canaan, it isn't going through him. If we go back and we see the way that Noah talks about this, here's what he says, verse 24 of chapter 9. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Cain, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. In verse 26, he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. And so you see a blessing on Shem and a cursing on Canaan. One line. Just like from Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve sinned, God promises there would be an offspring of the woman, an offspring of Eve. And it's not Cain and Abel, it's not Seth, there's an offspring to come who the people of the Old Testament knew would be their Messiah. And this is, again, a theological document about God's plans and purposes. And so he says, hey, there's going to be a line, and it's, it's not going to go through Jacob, it's not going to go through Canaan, it's not going to go through Canaan's dead, dead, dead ham, it's going to go through Shem. It's what we know as the Semitic people, who are the Jews. Now, doesn't mean that uh, Shem's entire line is perfect either. Uh, we'll get to that. Now, this, if you're, if you're following along today, uh, you may be having a lot of questions. I will tell you, this is both fair and unfair. Okay, you might be asking yourself, well, why, why Shem? He and his brother Jacob both backed in and put a cover over Noah to cover his nakedness in the, in the tent and this incident that happened. They both were part of why Shem? Good question. If it's Shem, then why do the other two lines even matter? Why are they in Shem? Good question. What do you think about this? So here's what's fair. This should show us, and should jive with the rest of what we've studied in Genesis so far, that God has created this plan with purpose. He has plans and he has purposes for us as human beings, always has and always will until the return of Jesus. Here's what else is fair. Are we not able to identify with rebellion against God? Should there be no consequence for that? Is God not allowed to curse Ham's line through Canaan because he did something terrible? Should there be no consequence when we sin? Should we just get off scot-free? You can go down and you can, you can research some of the names on 
under, under Ham, and you can look at some of it. Nimrod gets a lot of attention, and you, I would encourage you to do some research on him. Uh, he's got a legacy of, of rebellion. He's got a, a bunch of cities there that are, are named, that are, are not known as good places throughout history. Uh, is God not able to do that? Is he not able to curse for consequence?
get us through Shem. Here's why Japheth and Ham are still in the table of nations. Many of us in the room would have descended from Japheth. I'm glad I had access to God, aren't you? I'm glad it wasn't just the Shem, the line of Shem and Semites. I'm glad for that, aren't you? They don't exclude anyone. Anyone from any nation, any tribe, any language has access to God, can return, they can turn from their sin, repent in faith and believe in Jesus Christ and be forgiven of their sin and be a part of the family of God. That is true to anyone on this globe. This is the command that Jesus himself gave. Look at all authority, heaven and earth given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of just the Jewish people because I'm a Jewish guy and I'm a Jewish savior for the Jewish people and I'm trying to line this up with Genesis 10. No. Even throughout the Old Testament, we see people from the surrounding nations come and be a part of the business. There are plans for the foreigner and sojourner and immigrant and alien, whatever word you want to use and whatever way it's translated. You see these people connecting with the people of Israel. So even though it was just the Jews in the Old Testament, there was all kinds of people from other places that connected with them. And then in the New Testament, when it comes to faith in Jesus, this is the plan. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now we can jive with Genesis 10 because we see all nations in Genesis 10. Our Savior didn't come to forgive the sin of just one group of people. He didn't come to elevate just one group of people. He came to save any who would turn. I don't know all the plans of who gets saved and why and how. And all of it works. We know what it says. God knows the full plans. He knows when his son will come back. He knows all of it. He knows. But it, it's not exclusive to us. If you're hearing this message today and your heart is pounding and God is calling to you to respond, there is no lineage or no genealogy that will separate you from God. And we can rejoice. That is the purpose of these nations being on the page. God intended to deal fairly with all nations through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite our worship team to come and prepare. We're going to sing a song called Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. It is a mystery. It's, the truth of God is revealed, but there is, there is a mystery. There are things that we won't know as we live in that tension. We want to trust. We want to obey. We want to repent. We want to come underneath who God is and Certain sins today even have been challenged from this text. 